Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, tonight, 7.30 downtown at the Chai. Marquette and Creighton essentially for the Big East Championship. I know there's still three games to go after tonight, but a major game. It's actually a second-round NCAA game, 19 days out from Selection Sunday. Should be a great one. We welcome in Ben Steele, who covers Marquette for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, who joins us, I believe, in St. Louis, where he has uh, arrived en route to uh, Omaha. Good morning, Ben. Hey, how are you guys doing? Uh, yeah, I'm in the beautiful <laughs> St. Louis airport, so if you guys hear the ambient noise, you know, that's just, just part of it, part of the experience. See, I mentioned earlier that you were going to be in St. Louis, and, and Jimmy and Nick immediately said, well, I wonder if he'll go to, what was the brewery? Chef Fly. Chef Fly Brewery? Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe it's a little early. <laughs> that's okay. Tonight, so, yeah. But, you know. Hey, this is a Marquette team that comes into tonight with four games to go. They got a game lead atop the Big East. And if we rewind all the way back to October and media days when we were all in New York City, ninth in the preseason, mm-hmm. they said not so fast and have played well almost from the jump. But I look yeah. back when they played Xavier, and I'm sure there were a lot of people that were in the arena in Milwaukee or at home that were going, Shaka, call a timeout, call a timeout. <laughs> he doesn't call a timeout in the end, but it just kind of reiterates that it it appears that from player to coach, coach to player, they have this great amount of trust. How has Shaka taken this team and gotten like a full buy-in that they have elevated their game to where they are right now? Yeah, I mean, this is Shaka Smart's second year at Marquette, and he's really put an emphasis on player development. And along with that comes with that that trust that you're talking about. Um, this Marquette offense, you know, it's been a top five offense most of the year. They were number one on Ken Palm for about a month. Um, they're still hovering around up there, not quite at the top spot, but um, and they don't really run a lot of set plays. Um, Shaka puts a lot of uh, Emphasis on guys learning how to play the game themselves, making decisions on their own, making the right reads. And, you know, it paid off there at the end of the game. Didn't call a timeout, let the guys play the game that they, they, they've been playing throughout the, the previous 40 minutes against the scramble defense. Cam Jones got into the lane, missed the shot, but Olivia Nex and Crossman was right there for the putback. So I think it's all of a piece, you know. He, put, he puts a lot of trust in his guys. He knows that... that they know how to read and make the right reads out there, and, and it's paying off for sure. Ben, kind of going back to two years when, when Shaka was introduced, we know there was a little bit of the, okay, what he was as a coach at VCU, but then, you know, more recently what he was at Texas. What was what was the reaction? You know, what was kind of the overall feel when, when Shaka Smart is introduced as the new head coach at Marquette? Uh, I think there was still some excitement. I know things didn't go quite the way that, they wanted it to go at, at when they when that coaching staff was at Texas. They didn't win an NCAA tournament game there, uh, but still that that memory of that that BCU run to the Final Four in 2011 mm-hmm. was pretty strong. So fans were excited. He's from the state. Um, he, he they know his reputation around the state. Mm-hmm. Basketball coaches, high school basketball coaches around the state. So there, there was a general assignment, uh, excitement, and 
like I said, people know of his reputation as a guy, as a player development guy. Yeah. So I think that's what people were most excited about. There were some exciting young pieces that, that, that Marquette had. A few of them stuck around to, to play under Shaka, and, and they've developed immensely. So that, that excitement is borne out. There are many teams, Ben, in, in college basketball that are as efficient in the half court as Marquette, and especially when they're shooting inside of the arc. And I know offense was not a, 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 a you know, hang your hat on last year, even though there was an NCAA team. What did they do in the offseason with, with the skill set of, of five guys who I think have an NBA skill set that they're playing? How'd they reconfigure this offense? They've become so efficient that they'll walk in the door tonight and they're averaging 81 a game. Yeah, it really starts with, with two guys, Oso Iguodaro and Tyler Kolick, two of the best passers in the nation. Tyler Kolick, I mean, just looking at the assist numbers, he's right up there with everybody. Assist to turnover ratio is like 3-1. to one. Um, And that, that, that passing has just been really contagious this year. So the offense, really, the ball moves around a lot, players move around a lot, and they're really good at finding really good shots. And that, that leads to that efficiency that you're talking about. They're number one in the nation in, in two-point percentage, as hovering right around 60%. So that, that number speaks to just how good good of shots that they're getting right around the basket. You know, those are the most efficient shots in basketball. Um, and when you have a center like Oso Iguodaro who can handle the ball and, and he has really good passing vision, he does. he's not a big banger, but uh, he makes up for it with his quickness and his ability to, to make reads and make passes to, to other players. And... The offense just feeds off that. It's very unselfish. There's about five guys that are averaging four guys in double figures. One guy's like right below that threshold. But really, the point is that they're a really well-balanced offense. They don't rely on one or two players. So if one guy's having an off tonight, uh, other players are there to kind of fill the void. And it's just that balance and that, that unselfishness has led to the efficiency. You know, Ben, the last time Marquette plays Creighton, there is no Ryan Kalkbrenner. We know that that, I mean, regardless of how a team is built, that's a significant presence that you have to account for. What's your anticipation on how Shaka Smart wants to defend Creighton? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, Marquette has, they played a lot of good big guys. They played Zach Eady early in the season at, at Purdue. Um They've thrown a lot of double teams when the ball has gone in the post, so I, I expect to see a fair amount of that tonight. Like I said, Oso Iguodaro is not a big banger. He's long. Yep. Uh, he's gotten a lot stronger, but he's still pretty lean. He could get pushed around. That's, that's Marquette's biggest weakness mm. is, is grabbing defensive boards and allowing teams to uh, get offensive rebounds to get second-chance points. So with, with Kalkbrenner, like you mentioned, it's going to be a different game this time around. It's going to be interesting to see how they play that. But I expect to see like a fair amount of double teams in the post, and how Kalkbrenner handles that will be pretty interesting. Who do you think? And, and uh, you know, we talk about offense, and, and like you alluded to, Ben, about defense and, and rebounding is a little bit of weakness when you look at the the six games. But they do have a good defender, like like of of Omaha's or Creighton's best player. Who do you expect? like uh, Stevie Mitchell to match up against tonight? Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing they'll, they'll put Stevie Mitchell on, on Nimhard, just kind of, mm-hmm. Stevie Mitchell's really good guarding on balls, really good at harassing uh, opposing point guards, bringing the ball up the floor, disrupting mm-hmm. the flow of the offense. You saw that last game against Stewie Boomy. Uh, Stevie Mitchell kind of harassed him a little bit. Um, but those they'll, they'll market switches a lot. Um so you'll you'll see a fair number of guys being switched around. Olivia next 
Maxon's Prosper is also a really good defender. He's like a six-eight guy. He's like kind of their Marquette's Swiss Army knife as a defender. Um, but they switch around a lot, mm. so expect to see a lot of people guarding a lot of different guys. You know, when it comes to depth, too, and I, I know um, you know you, you look at Marquette it, between Joplin and Ross, they're going to get a lot of minutes. But if you mm-hmm. are they, you know, Shaka confident that you know they can go a little deeper if need be, especially in a game like this where. I know you want the most out of your starters, but at some point, whether it's foul trouble or it's just the overall sort of wear and tear of this game, that they can go deep if needed? Yeah, one guy that was kind of an interesting chess piece for tonight's game against Kalkbrenner is uh, Ben Gold. He's a 6'11 freshman for Marquette. He's from New Zealand. Mm. Um, he's a little different look than Ozoe Godaro in that Ben Gold's a, a much better face-up shooter, a little th- more of a three-point red. Brett uh, Osoe Godaro mostly does the scoring damage around the basket, but um, Ben Gold kind of gives him a little different look on offense where maybe he could pull like Kalkbrenner away from the basket a little bit out to the three-point line. So he, he, he's been a little better as the season's worn on, like like every other mm-hmm. freshman he's had. His ups and downs, but he, he could be a really, really intriguing piece tonight, I think. Hey, what's your thoughts on the Big East so far as we get to the last two uh, weekends? There's... There's a the Marquette and a, a lot of brackets are showing up this morning as a three. There's Creighton, yeah. there's Xavier as a four, uh, Creighton as a five, Xavier, UConn as a four. What are your thoughts on the top uh, part of the Big East right now? Yeah, I mean, what are there? There's five teams in the AP top twenty, right? Very mm-hmm. uh, like the top teams. I think of the Big East can can hang with anybody. Uh, yeah, Marquette's hovering right there at the three C. That's probably, I guess. Where they likely end up, I don't see them like pushing to a, a two or anything. But um, the thing, interesting thing about Marquette is they haven't won a tournament game in a decade since yeah. 2013. So the higher seed that they could get hmm. uh, benefits them. So it, any tournament win Marquette fans would take right now, but but they're definitely trending toward that direction. Yeah, Ben, and real quickly here with the tournament itself, when you kind of think about where this team is, and we, we talk about these teams kind of finding that identity in February, it looking like the team that they're going to look in March. You know, if there's one thing that Shaka Smart and, and maybe even is watching this team every night that you would think still maybe needs to, to be solved or, or is it at least a little bit of a concern kind of between now and getting it through the Big East tournament, where, where would you say maybe that one weakness would be? I mean, it's that defensive rebounding that I mentioned earlier. And just defensively overall, they haven't quite found the consistency uh, game to game. Like, there's their flashes. You can tell there's a good defensive team in there. They got a lot of really good mm-hmm. athletes. Um, you see it in flashes. Like, against Villanova a couple weeks ago, they had seven straight stops down the stretch of the, the last couple minutes to, to pull out a victory. Uh, the last minute against Xavier, last time out. Mm-hmm. They got some big stops for some big turnovers. So it's there, but it just hasn't quite been there for, for 40 minutes yet. Uh, great stuff. Ben, we appreciate it. should be a great game tonight. Safe travels from St. Louis in here to uh, Omaha. And as always, we appreciate your time. Oh, guys, I, I can't quite hear you oh. now. It's a little loud in the airport. Oh, no problem. Thank you for your time, Ben. Safe travels. Okay, thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me on. I know you guys are disappointed that Ben's not drinking. I am. Well, I mean, I get it. Good I mean, for him. The game's what, what not till seven. Would it be a professional? Would it be a professional? Uh, he's a little bit of a foodie. Oh, uh, judging by his Instagram, so maybe okay. he lands and hits, uh, you know, block sixteen or someplace. Mm. Put a you know, the Journal Sentinel puts him up at a nice uh, spot downtown. Block sixteen sounds good. Uh, I've never been. I've been told I need to go. 
You've been here how far? How long? And you haven't made it down there? I know. I'm. I'm the. But worst. you got to. You got to be. You got to be quick because they yeah. sell out of stuff. Have you seen? Have you followed them on uh, on the Twitter machine at all? I have. They do some good in Facebook. They yeah, do some Sarah really good told stuff. Me to follow them yeah. on all the stuff. They do good. Uh, good marketing uh, on social media with their food. So there's the whole havoc thing, and on 23 percent of the possessions, Marquette will turn you over. But I don't think they get enough stops. I also has been twice alluded to. I don't rebound real well on the defensive end. So then their losses, they're a minus 11. Mm. They also, and this is possibly for a Shireman to break out of his mini slump, or, you know, Nemhard, who is really shooting the, the ball well from three-point range, but more maybe an Alexander, is they allowed a lot of guys to catch. Mm. So a lot of guys that are on the catch and shoot, um, that's been an issue for them in some of their games where things have gone sideways or they've been closer than you would you would think. So that's something that I think Creighton can take advantage. I also think the fact that Kalkbrenner's going with a five-man who's not going to step outside and shoot the three. Now, he can pass the ball. He is one of the better passers in college basketball for somebody that's over six foot nine. They do a lot of back cuts. So you're going to have to, and they also share the ball real well. You know, Creighton does it, you know, they side to side. Mm-hmm. Um, so your head's going to have to be on a swivel playing defense. But I think here, Kalkbrenner is going to be able to live in the lane tonight. And you saw when he has had to travel outside of the lane and you face a fellow five-man who can shoot it from mid-range or step out beyond the arc, Creighton has gotten better with help defense. And so I think that also helped him tonight. I mean, you're kind of getting the sense. I think Creighton wins the basketball game tonight. Five and a half, I'm probably not going to touch it um, because I, I could see this where Creighton opens this game up a little bit. I just don't know how Marquette's going to get stops because who are you going to take away? Probably to beat Creighton tonight, you got to take away two of the five. Which two are you going to take away tonight? I don't think you're taking away Kalkbrenner. No. I mean, are you going to are you going to hope that Shireman still can't hit a I, three? I, I almost, are you going to say, hey, go ahead, Art, stand out there and hit a three. You're not going to do what you did at the end of the game against St. John's. We'll let the other three beat us. Right. Like, I almost think that you have to kind of. See what Baylor Shireman is early. I mean, it is. It's a pick your poison. And you asked the question earlier: How are they going to get stops? How are they going to defend? You know, when you think about Kalkbrenner not being a part of that matchup earlier, you would assume that there's going to be a lot of help side defense there with Kalkbrenner. They're going to have some guys kind of sagging down. But that's where you know I do wonder about you know is this a game where Shireman is going to get some looks? And I think it's an interesting thing you bring up about the ability to catch defensively what they're kind of allowing. Because if you're Shireman and you're looking for sort of those uncontested shots or at least feeling more confident, you would think that for a guy who can shoot it like he does and trying to find that stroke, that would be sort of the the optimum conditions. If I don't want to say that they're completely losing sight of him, but if he's not as high of a priority as even, say, a Nemhard who recently is shooting better or a Trey Alexander who can hurt you in so many different ways. You know, Kaluma and, and Baylor Shireman might be the guys that are – I don't want to say left alone, but might have some better looks with this. And so are they knocking some of those, especially Baylor, are they knocking some of those shots down early? Because I get the feeling he and a couple other guys are going to have some open looks, but especially Baylor Shireman. So that's kind of why I brought him up earlier in the show too, is a guy that might have those opportunities, you know, is he he finding that stroke early in this game? Because that could go a long way in this matchup. Uh, For Marquette, if Jones and Joplin are hitting from long range, uh uh-oh. Marquette does have the ability to make it uncomfortable and run you out of the building. But if Jones and Joplin are hitting from long range, should be a great game tonight. Five and a half is the spread still on FanDuel. 
We'll have the pre, the play, the post uh, beginning at 6. Robbie will have the pregame show and then 7.30 tip. And then uh, Jimmy will have the postgame show afterwards. This is a second-round NCAA game going on tonight. Just happens to be essentially for the Big East Championship. All right, 52 past the hour. Brian Christopherson is going to join us in the uh, next hour. I do want to read this email, going back to something we talked about before we brought Ben on about college football game times. This is in the Equitable Bank inbox from John. I am one that definitely thought college football games are too long for years. But it isn't because I want less of the game. It is because of the stupid TV windows the networks use. They schedule a game at 11 and another at 2.30. I would venture to say at least 50% of the time, the 11 o'clock game is not over by kickoff or the 2.30 game. And then you have to go to a secondary network to see the start of the game if it is the one you want to watch. Uh, you aren't going to shorten the games if you aren't going to shorten the games, change the TV window so you can see the entire game on the channel is supposed to be on. Like 11-3. Well, well, we, suppose 11-2-30. You know, Fox, Fox has done a little bit of not the traditional 11-2-30, 6-37. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've had games at 3. Yeah, we've had games at 3. But I'm wondering, you know, I always complain, especially college basketball, man, why do you have like three good games in the 11 a.m. Saturday yeah, window. Right. How come we can't stagger them? I wonder if there will be a network that will get away from the traditional time. Everybody like the 11 o'clock has become like Fox has made the 11 o'clock a prime spot. Mm-hmm. That's like it used to be like the Big Ten is looking at 11 a.m. is our spot. Essentially, yeah. it's noon for a majority of the conference. It's, you know, half the conference that is East Coast. Mm-hmm. Kegs and eggs. Now, watch yourself. Because next year, those 11 o'clock games, USC and UCLA, how many 11 o'clock games on the road do they get? Or at home, which is 9 o'clock back in Los Angeles. (laughs) We're all going to be up or if all of a sudden there's some selective scheduling to benefit USC and UCLA. They don't have to play in those 11 a.m. games. They don't have to go on the road in November. Mm. You know, they play a lot of games at the Coliseum or at the Rose Bowl. So we're going to watch that. But I wonder if any of the networks will step outside and go 11, 3, 7. Mm -hmm. Just do something different so that they will avoid that. You know, CBS for the longest time with the SEC has had it ideal. They don't have any games that really lead in. Maybe, what, two or three times a year? So they know that at 2.30. That's the game. That's the game. Mm -hmm. It's on CBS. You don't have to go to CBS Sports Network to watch the start of Georgia and Alabama. It's right there at 2.30. Right. Well, and, and you would never like, hey, let's let all of the, the first wave of the 11 a.m. game start. We'll start at noon. Well, you're not going to do that because you're losing your audience there, too. But, yeah, to maybe go the 11-3. Look, it, there, there's no reason not to, though. Like, I, I, I understand, like, the two th- – as – I don't know who the emailer's name was. Uh, but as he brings it up, you know, you're going to the secondary market, then you're going from, you know, back and forth, and then all of a sudden, okay, by the way, now that game is on the original uh, market there. And just see the well, kickoff the, on Fox Business. So he's not so, he's not wrong. It's, it, it gets kind of clunky, but it happens more than not. So uh, the worst is college basketball that thinks yes. that we just play in two-hour windows. Right. Now, oh, I frustrate Now, games so are a little bit quicker this year, mm-hmm. but still that we're playing in two-hour windows. Yep. We don't do that in college basketball. No. And I, I saw someone bring up college basketball, just they won't watch the last couple of minutes. And hmm. I get it because of – but that, that to me, there's not much you can do 
without fundamentally changing the game. Because a lot of that, the reason that those last couple of minutes drag out is because you have foul situations. Because you're trying to get the team to the free throw line, trying to get an extra possession. You know, can you expedite reviews? We, we talk about that a lot. But right, the, the end of games that have like 35 seconds left on the clock and they take 15 yeah. minutes in real time. It's painful. That's a turnoff. Yeah, it's, it, it is painful. The you know if the ball is even close to being in question if it went out of bounds and you have to have the automatic review on that, I get that can be expedited. But as far as the fouls, the back and forth, you know you're down by nine, you know it's not double digits. And you feel like okay, it's still like a two possession or three possession. We can still you know foul our way into a favorable position. You can't change that without fundamentally changing the game. But I understand that's that's a frustrating part of it. All right, last hour upcoming. BC will uh, join us on Mornings with Sharp and Hanley on 1620 The Zone. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.